Welcome to In the Black with your host, Bob Dickerson. Our program takes a look at the socioeconomic issues affecting black America. From education to news and politics to business matters, we have the stories and guests that you need to hear about. Now, here is Bob Dickerson. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Bob Dickerson with In the Black on the Voice America Radio Network. Happy to be here Wednesday. Boy, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. There are a lot of things happening. I mean, you better believe that there are a lot of things that are happening out here in this country, uh, out here in this world. I mean, it is crunch time. It's about to be election time in America. We are less than a week away from going to the polls and casting our votes. And I certainly know that many of you, millions, I think last check, you know, 50, 60, you know, I record this early, so I'm not quite sure what the number is going to be when you hear it on Wednesday night or whenever you listen to it. But a lot of folks have decided that they want to go out and vote early. I think that's a good thing. I think it shows that there is interest in our system. There's interest in what happens to our lives and that we understand that we have some control over what what happens with our politics. And so just the exercise of your rights to go out and vote is very important. We're going to be talking about voting tonight. Uh, Today, if you're listening during the daytime, it's night where I am right now, and we're going to be talking about voting. We're also going to go back and kind of do a little bit of history, talking about the history of voter suppression. Voter suppression is real. It's something that is happening right now as we speak. And so I just thought I'd share some information about the history of voter suppression when we get on uh, in, into our conversation tonight. But, but first, I do want to say roll tide to the Alabama football team. Boy, it was tough losing uh, Jalen Waddell on the first play on the kickoff. If you watched the Alabama-Tennessee game, this young man, I mean, he's, he is dynamic. He is dangerous whenever he touches the football. And it was just really devastating. I feel for him and his family and for all the players uh, when you see somebody who is that good, that great, uh, who's done a remarkable job in his, in his first couple of years there, and I'm sure he's going to probably go on into the league. We may have seen the last of Jalen Waddle unless he comes back uh, with some miraculous recovery later in the season or maybe in a championship game. But, uh, but man, man, that's tough. But, yeah, the tight road, Mac Jones looked good, Najee Harris looked good. Um, uh, Mitchie looks good. Uh, uh, Devontae Smith, I mean, this guy, he catches everything. If you throw it out there, he's going to catch it. Uh, so, so he looked good. And for you NFL fans, those of us who are, you know, uh, who are Alabama fans, we still, you know, Alabama fans – typically don't pull for Auburn players even when they go to the NFL. 
It was so ironic. Yesterday, uh, Cam Newton, who won a Heisman at Auburn, was pulled for, uh, for uh, Stenham, Jared Stenham, who also played quarterback at Auburn. Uh, that was kind of unusual. First, I think the second time that Bill Belichick has pulled a quarterback in the game in 20, 22 years. So uh, Cam wasn't having a good day. I mean, the NFL, when you complete nine passes in three and a half, almost four quarters, that is not NFL football. That is not any kind of football. That's not even high school football. High school uh, teams that pass complete more than nine passes in the run of a football game. So, uh, but anyway, I just wanted to mention that um, the Dodgers are up 3-2. Well, by the time you listen to this, the series may be over. Uh, but the L.A. Dodgers, my team. So, how does a guy from Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama, get to be a Dodgers fan? Well, I can tell you the story real quickly. My dad was a sports fan, first of all. He was a coach. Coached high school, uh, you know, coached some other sports outside of high school. But anyway, uh, as most black people who were around when the major leagues got integrated in 1947, and he was around then, he's a little younger or was a little younger than Jackie Robinson. But Jackie Robinson became the first African-American to play in the majors, first African-American signed by a major league franchise, the then Brooklyn Dodgers, signed by Branch Rickey. You know, I'm up on my baseball history. And so naturally, black folks gravitated to the Dodgers, the Brooklyn Dodgers, the bums. Uh, and so so my dad was a Dodger fan. And, you know, in, in my house, typically, you ended up pulling for the team that your folks pulled for, that your dad pulled for if, if your dad was a sports fan. Now, I got that about uh, 66%, two-thirds right, because I was a Dodger fan. My dad was a Dodger fan. I'm still a Dodger fan. I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. My dad liked the Browns, much for the same reason Cleveland had, even before Jim Brown, a guy named Marion Motley. Marion Motley is number 76 as a fullback. 76 as a fullback, Marion Motley. Check him out. So uh, Marion Motley had been there with Cleveland. And so uh, we have been Cleveland Browns fans and L.A. Dodgers fans for a long time. Now, I, I kind of went against my parents. I may have told this story before, but my dad was a Celtics fan, and I couldn't stand the Celtics. I promise you, everybody in my house, my dad, my mom, my brother, my sister, everybody is a Celtics fan except yours truly. And so I picked a team that was the Celtics nemesis, at that time, and the Celtics were beating everybody. I mean, they, were, they won like nine straight championships or some number like that, uh, nine out of 11. I mean, Bill Russell was like player coach on, you know, a championship team. And, I mean, they just – they dominated. And they even dominated the team I pulled for. But I started pulling for the 76ers when the Sixers got Wilt Chamberlain, got him from the Warriors. And so Wilt is – a sixer and he was like my hero because 
he was the only chance pretty much of beating the Celtics, and he rarely even did it at seven feet one or two. And Russell would just, you know, Wilt would get his 25 and Russell would get 12, but he also would get 13 rebounds and have five or six block shots and just kind of lead his team. And so it was a time I went against my, my folks, and I was not a Celtics fan. I'm still not a Celtics fan. Uh, don't tell my cousins in Boston. They may not be listening. And I got a green shirt on. How about that? <laughs> That's my day-to-day. But anyway, uh, love sports. I think you can tell that. And, uh, you know, go Bama, go Dodgers. You know, the Browns. Hey, Baker Mayfield, the Browns. Uh, they won another game, beat the Bengals, right, you know, at the end of the game, last play of the game, last couple of plays. Uh, the Browns are off to a good start. I think they're like five and two. I don't remember the last time the Browns were five and two. Now, they, they've been improving uh, little by little over the last couple of years. Baker Mayfield has come in, and I think he's energized them, and, and they're playing – uh, a little better. Odell Beckham Jr. got hurt, and I hadn't checked to see how good or bad he's doing. But he got hurt, so uh, so we'll check that out. But the Browns are doing better, and I'm happy to see my Brownies doing better. I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening in 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 football. Boy, you know the the, the Atlanta Falcons. Oh my God, the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta Falcons, so boy, boy. So anyway, uh, got a lot to talk about. You know, Tuesday the 3rd is coming. It's election day. I've said this on this program many times so far, but this is the most important election of our lifetimes. And I'm telling you that I believe that is true whether you're 65 or 68 like I am, whether you're 91 like my mother, or whether you're 18 and this is your first time, this election is going to tell a story about the direction that our country is going to go in. This election is going to tell a story about the direction that our country is going to go in. The choice could not be more stark. And that's got nothing to do with, quote unquote, being a Republican or being a Democrat. The choice between Joe Biden and Donald Trump could not be any more stark. They are pretty much the opposite of each other. You've got the long term 50 year elected official who understands how to maneuver around Congress and in politics. And you have the bombastic sort of carnival barker who knows how to rile up an audience and, and, and make a point whether there's a point to be made or not. This is, I promise you, the most important election. It's going to tell us whether we are going to sort of move back into an era when we had people trying to work together, people trying to get along, there being consensus building from that executive position, or 
whether we're going to, I got the cards, I got all the cards, I got the power right now, and I'm going to use my power, and damn what you think about it, you know. And so it is a stark, stark difference in those two candidates. You, ladies and gentlemen, are making the difference. You can determine where this country is going. And it's up to them. It's up to the people. It's up to the people. There are a number of people who would like for us to go back. I was thinking about that old Archie Bunker song. And then there are a lot of folks who are saying that, hey, we've got to lead the change and lead the world to change the way it operates to make sure that our sons and our daughters and our grandsons and our granddaughters and even our great grands and, and our heirs that we will never meet have a place to live and have a place that's safe. So that's what we're going to be talking about when we come back after these messages. This is Bob Dickerson on the Voice America Radio Network within the Black. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Small businesses are in trouble, and it didn't just start with COVID-19. From the recession several years ago to the revolution of e-commerce giants more recently, small businesses are getting hit hard and need to come back. Tune in to Business Buzz and Business Watch. It's two shows in one, hosted by Frank Hellring. We'll help your small business bounce back with best practices, guest experts, and resources that you can use to strengthen your small business. Listen Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are listening to In the Black with Bob Dickerson. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. That's Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. Now, back to In the Black. Hey, this is Bob Dickerson within the Black on Voice America. As I mentioned before the break, voting day is just around the corner. Voting day. The, the right that American citizens have and have had most of you, <laughs> most of you have had it for ever since there was in America. But you know, the, the other thing that we have to come to grips with is that this franchise of voting has been something that has been denied, intentionally denied people primarily because of two reasons, their race and their gender. Primarily denied 
And only within the last 100 years, the last 100 years, women's suffrage about 100 years ago, voting rights in terms of law uh, of 55 or so years ago. But ever since the Constitution was written, some of our leaders have sought to deny the vote to those who, who they think might, you know, wrest their power away. And I think we see that happening now as America is getting more brown. You have a lot of people who are, who are fearful of the coalition of brown voters and what that might mean to elected officials, especially on a national level. And so what is happening, I think, are a couple of things. A, the, the disenfranchisement, the, the suppression of votes from these brown people is certainly something that is happening. There are court cases to prove it. And I think that the other thing that is even more troubling, if there could be something more troubling than denying the right to vote, is the fact that there is this coalescing of wealth at the top. And what I think happens when you get all of the wealth, and we're creating way more billionaires uh, than moving people from low income to moderate to middle and up. We're creating a whole bunch of billionaires, but we're leaving you know, average folks behind. And so when you really think about it, if you have all the money, then it doesn't really matter whether you have the votes or not. Uh, in the apartheid system, the few rule the many. And so in a system where the few rule the many, and that's a system that we seem to be headed toward here in this country, uh, one of the, the, the things that is a symptom of that is this voter suppression. So back in 1890, uh, more than 100 men gathered in Mississippi, in the Mississippi State Capitol, for a constitutional convention. And this judge, whose name was Solomon Calhoun, he was the president of the convention, he charged the delegates with a single task. And that task was, devise a way to keep black men from voting in Mississippi. Devise a way to keep black men from voting in Mississippi. Now, this is, this is the, the, the ballot, he said, or the ballot system, ballot system had to be arranged to affect this one object to affect this one object. He wanted to make sure that black folks did not get a chance to shape the state of Mississippi and this country. And so there's ample evidence that voter suppression has been as American as, as apple pie. Uh, it's been marked by poll taxes, literacy tests, violence uh, directed toward black people who attempted to vote. And so this whole idea of suppressing a vote, disenfranchising citizens, is something that we find ourselves grappling with now. 
when you oppose the additional funding of the Postal Service because you don't want voting by mail, when you decide that there has to be these aggressive voter identification laws, when you close polling places and move voting machines and create long lines, and there's been some long lines, I'll tell you, there have been some long lines. All of that is happening in order to suppress the vote when one would think that in the United States of America, since we were founded on these ideals of, you know, one man, one vote, liberty and justice for all, and all of that kind of stuff, that we would be encouraging people to vote. Not only that, that we would be making it much more convenient for people to vote as opposed to making it more inconvenient for folks to vote. So, so personally, you know, I, I remember I grew up in a family where my folks were, they were voters. My grandparents were voters. Of course, my parents were voters. And not only that, uh, my, my mother was involved in the Civic League. And so I can remember as a child voting rights being part of a conversation. I'm 68. That means I remember when people were complaining that they had gone to register to vote and they were asked to how many bubbles in a bar of soap or how many jelly beans in a jar. And those kinds of, of, of ignorant kinds of, of ways of keeping them from voting, which were obviously just racist. It had nothing to do with their acumen, with their intelligence and with their qualification to vote, it was just because they were black. I remember when there was some fear and trepidation among people who might have been attempting to register to vote because they were, they were told that you go register to vote and you may lose your job, another form of voter suppression. And so this aftermath of the Civil War, um, when you had this disenfranchisement, you had Jim Crow, um, you've got all of these laws being passed, uh, which you, you have some laws that were passed to ensure equality for African-Americans. Slavery was, in, was abolished. African-Americans were given equal protection under the law, so it said. But the states were able to disenfranchise voters simply on account of race. And that was supposed to be something that didn't happen. And so, and so, you know, to be honest with you, when you really think about it, it was not until 1997, 1997, that Tennessee formally ratified uh, voting rights. I mean, seriously, 1997, when Tennessee finally ratified voting rights. And so this fight for voting rights is something that we must continue. It's something that has not gone anywhere. Um, you know, even though the poll taxes were discouraged, uh, well, but the, well, the poll taxes actually was, was a discouragement for people who couldn't pay them. Uh, the literacy test just kind of told black folks that 
you know, your ability to vote was just at the discretion of some person who happened to be the clerk or happened to be the administrator of the test. Uh, we know that the folks that were that were forced to take these tests and who were denied the vote because they may not have been able to read or write, they had just come out of slavery, were black. And, and guess what? So the white folks who couldn't pass the literacy test, and there were many of them, you ever heard this thing, the grandfather clause? That's where it came from. They had a grandfather clause, and it said that if your grandfather voted in 1867, then, you know, the, the right to vote was, was bestowed upon you. Now, that was ruled unconstitutional in 1915. Poll taxes, though, weren't uh, abolished until 1964, well into my lifetime and until my, my, my watching those civic league meetings and hearing my mother and my parents and others talk about their desire to vote and talk about the need to vote. And so since they, they talked about it, I want to encourage all of us to make sure that we use that, that we, that we go out and we don't allow what people fought and bled and some actually died for. And that is not just cliche. In Alabama, uh, there are people who died You've seen the images on the Bloody Sunday Bridge when John Lewis, who became famous as a result of getting beat, as black people to support voting rights wanted to march from Selma to Montgomery. You've seen those images of the, 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 the police actually rioting against those people on the bridge. There was a woman, Viola Liusa who was killed, she was a white woman. She was killed that night, killed one of those nights as we were trying to get the right to vote. Megger Evers was killed because of us trying to get the right to vote. And so the right to vote is a privilege. Uh, the right to vote is sacred. And let no one, no one tell you that there is not a history of voter disenfranchisement and of voter suppression in these United States of America. Hey, I'll be back with more after these messages. This is Bob Dickerson with In the Black. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you see a path to exciting opportunities? Are you missing transformation situations in your world? Tune into Get to the Future on Time. Do differently tomorrow. Hosted by Jay Allen. We will challenge you to question what is seen as impossible to do in your field. But if done, would be transformative to understand that the burden of regret is greater than the risk of leading. Listen every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. 
We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are listening to In the Black with Bob Dickerson. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. That's Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. Now, back to In the Black. Hey, this is Bob Dickerson with In the Black on the Voice America Radio Network. Hey, really, I want you to follow me. Follow me at B. Dickerson Jr. on Twitter. Check me out on Facebook, Bob Dickerson. Uh, get my fan page, the Bob Dickerson fan page. I would love for you to do that. Uh, if you're if you're a Facebook person and you like Facebook, then every Wednesday morning at seven o'clock Central Time, I'm in Alabama, Central Time Zone. I'm on with Facebook Live. I may change that time, and you know we'll make sure that we we keep you posted uh, when we do that. But, uh, but anyway. I love for you to reach out. I love to know what you think. I don't care if you think different from me. I mean, I think that's what we should always be about. We should always be willing to listen to folks that don't see things the way we see them and to really listen because if we don't really listen, then we don't learn anything. And it doesn't matter. I don't have to change your man and you certainly don't have to change my man for one of us, if not both of us to learn something. And so dialogue is important. Dialogue is important. So anyway, we're talking about voting and we're talking about voter suppression. And I live in a state where voter suppression, you know, was something that was just done. I mean, it was, it was not thought of, you know, it was in the, even in my lifetime, uh, there, 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 were, there were adamant and overt efforts to suppress votes. I mean, telling someone if they vote, they lose their job. Uh, actually hurting and killing and bombing folks who were protesting for equality. And one of the things that is a, an indicator of equality is the right to vote. Uh, people being embarrassed and and ridiculed and 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 just mistreated in attempting to to vote called a boy or gal you know asked to tell how many bubbles in a bar of soap how many how many jelly beans in a jar some it's just just incendiary things that happened in my lifetime to people who were trying to vote, people who were trying to exercise their constitutional right as American citizens. And it hasn't stopped. Whatever we say and whatever we think, it hasn't stopped. Voter suppression is real. Voter suppression is real right now. Now, Part of how you suppress votes, again, is you make it difficult to vote. You make it hard. You tell folks they got to have 
certain kind of ID and you, you know, we already make it hard enough. And I'm so glad that so many people are voting early. We make it hard enough by having it for 12 hours in one day on a Tuesday. So that means if you don't have a kind of job or boss that will let you off to stand on the line for maybe an hour or two, and who knows, maybe longer, then maybe you don't get to vote. If you didn't have, if your car happened to break down on Monday night and you didn't have transportation, you know, then you don't vote or you're discouraged because, you know, something did go wrong in your, in your life. And this day, this Tuesday just happened not to be a good day. Then you don't go vote. I've always thought that it made more sense to vote over a weekend. And when I say over a weekend, I mean the entire weekend. We can do that in America. We should. We ought to want all of our voices to be heard. And we ought to be making it more convenient as opposed to making it less convenient. Fewer polling places makes it less convenient. A one-day vote makes it less convenient. Everybody didn't have a driver's license. So when you have that kind of ID requirement, it makes it less convenient. And since we don't vote every month, then some people really don't have a need for that kind of identification until it's voting time. So we made it less convenient. I don't think it's an accident. I think the folks in power have decided that if we can make it less convenient for brown people, for black people, for people who may not vote the way you would have folks vote, back in the politicians that you like, back in the party that you like, that it's better that these folks not vote. I honestly believe that as America gets browner and browner, that the right to vote, the franchise of voting, is going to be harder and harder for those brown people. You don't see these things happening to people who are not brown. Houston, Texas, big city, third largest city in the country. You want to give one, one place and Houston is huge if you've been to Houston. It would take you an hour one way to get across Houston, if not an hour and a half, could be longer. You make it hard to vote because you want to disenfranchise people. You make it hard to vote because we're trying to create a system where we aren't, some folks are, where the few will continue to rule the many where majority won't matter because all the resources will have been sucked up to the top. And so now it won't matter who you elect because they won't have any power. You know, I've told friends, and, and we can have an argument about this, but politics does not own money. Money owns politics. Politics doesn't own money. Money owns politics. So the folks that have the money 
have more sway over what happens politically in our communities. And if we continue to make it harder to vote, we continue sending all of the power, even the little power that we may still have, that is sending the power more toward the top. It's going more toward the top. The other thing that uh, we've got to watch is something called gerrymandering. So just simply put, and we all know what that is, is you draw a district in a way to make sure that a certain race of person or party of the person can win. So, so you make sure that you draw the Republican folks in a district um, and, and you, you, you make these lines sort of arbitrary so I can get this community and get that neighborhood and put it over here with that neighborhood and I go way over here and I get somebody else. That gerrymandering um, has been something that has gone on for years and years. But, you know, we're on to it. You know, we're on to it. Um, you want to make sure that you keep your folks in power and keeping your folks in power is what allows you to have a Supreme court debate that only takes a couple of days and you give somebody a lifetime appointment without much conversation about it. Uh, it's when you have folks who will sit there and, know that there is a virus, a deadly virus that's being spread by people in power, folks in office, and not say anything about it. Uh, it's when you can spin a topic and send your people home and, you know, be unethical uh, as we have unethical leaders in our country and not say anything about it. When you gerrymander and you fix it where certain people win, then what you're doing is making sure that you, when you made sure that that election outcome came out one way, then you make sure that the things that are legislated come out a certain way. America, we are at a crossroads. The election that we're about to have, once again, is the most important of any of our lives. It's critical that you go vote. If you've listened to me on this radio program or on any other of the mediums that I use to communicate with folks, I think you know where I stand. I am deeply concerned, worried, uh, nervous about this outcome. I'm not only nervous about the outcome of the vote, I'm nervous about the outcome of the likely transition. I'm nervous about what people are gonna do. I'm nervous about the threats that a lot of folks are, are making you know, that put our 
lives in danger and our safety in danger. I'm concerned about this, the politics, this racist, partisan, mean-spirited, divisive rancor that we have going on in our country. But there are very few things that we can do about it. The one thing that I plan on doing, and I am so happy that millions of others have already done it, I pray that millions of you who haven't, make sure you do. Go out on November 3rd. Vote. Vote like your life depends on it because it actually does. Hey, this is Bob Dickerson. I'll be back right after these messages. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to In the Black with Bob Dickerson. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. That's Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. Now, back to In the Black. Hey, this is Bob Dickerson on Voice America In the Black. Hey, glad you're out there. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for communicate with me. Boy, I'd love to hear from you. So you can get me, tweet me, at B. Dickerson Jr. At B. Dickerson Jr. Hit me up on Facebook, Bob Dickerson. Uh, check out my website. It's uh, bobdickerson.com. So get with me. I'd love to talk to you. So anyway, coronavirus, we are not turning the corner, y'all. I'm from Alabama, so I can say y'all. So let me say it again. We are not turning the corner, y'all. We're, we're, we're falling in a ditch, y'all. And now the vice president's chief of staff and five or six folks on his staff have the COVID-19 coronavirus and now he has been heading up the coronavirus task force. Uh, 
the task force had two or three different things that it suggested strongly that we should do if we contacted the virus. Now, if you're a chief of staff and several people around you, and these are people who are traveling with you on airplanes, an airplane is like a Petri dish. dish. It's like, you know, we're all in here together. We're breathing the same air and stuff, y'all. So that means, and, and so the, the, the task force says that if you have contacted someone who is known to have the disease, not just thought to have it, known to have it, they've been tested. Now they got it and they got it. They don't just feel bad. They don't think they got it. They didn't have a negative test. They got it. And you've been around them. You are supposed to quarantine for 14 days. Now that number moves. It moves to 10 and I've heard 21, but let's just stick with the 14 just to humor me for the sake of argument. So that means that Mike Pence should probably be quarantined to somewhere around November 10th or so, based on when he learned that he had been in contact with someone who has COVID-19 coronavirus. But what's he doing? Well, he's not quarantining. He's following the bad example that was set by his boss. And I guess you do have to follow your boss's example. He's following the terrible example that was set by his boss, the president of the United States, who went into the hospital, let himself out, and then declares himself cured by the therapeutics and that medicine they gave him. You know, he thinks he's, he thinks he's immune, but he thinks a lot of stuff that, that make a lot of sense. But ladies and gentlemen, here's the deal. Those folks want to get reelected. And it is obvious, clear, clear as crystal clear, that they will do anything and say anything to get back in office. It is crystal clear that they don't really care anything about you or your family or your parents or your kids. They'll invite you out to a super spread event, uh, discourage you from wearing a mask, discourage you from socially distancing from the rest of the folks in there because they don't care. I mean, their thing is that, oh, well, we just got to live with it. And 230,000 people have died from it. So I don't want to take a chance on me being one of the people that would live with it. Because I might end up being one of the people who would die from it. And so might you. And so might your mama, your daddy, your grandparent, your best friend, somebody that you love, your husband, your child. We got to take this more seriously. It doesn't make sense to follow folly and to follow foolish thinking and foolish acting. I don't care who does it. So think for yourself. If, if 230,000 people have died 
from something, then why am I going to let somebody tell me, well, it's not real? 230,000 people have died from it. Then why am I going to take the extra chance? Now, I mean, there is no way except staying in the house all the time that you can 100% avoid it. It's in the air. And people spread it that don't know they got it. People spread it that never know they had it. That's what we're dealing with. That's the kind of virus we're dealing with. You can, you can, you can spread it and not know you had it. And the person that you spread it to can get sick and die. And so it just makes sense to me that if you care about your folks that you come in contact with, then you take this precaution. It also makes sense to me that when you see somebody telling you that it's raining, but you know that they are, you know, wasn't on your leg, then you ought to move your leg. You ought to do something about it. You should think about that. If someone is saying that we'll just weather the storm, that we're turning a corner, that we're going to live with it, then don't fall for that. Don't fall for that. I don't care how much you like them. I don't care how much you want to vote for them. Hell, I vote for them, but don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. I believe this. I think that the ultimate disrespect that an elected official disrespect, the ultimate disrespect that an elected official can pay to their supporters is to lie to them to blatantly lie in a way that puts them and their family at risk. And I can honestly say that that is exactly what the president of the United States, the vice president of the United States, a lot of people in the cabinet, in the administration, and several people in the Congress of the United States. That is exactly what they're doing. They are putting you, your family, your children in danger. And they're doing it hoping that they can get reelected. If you reelect folks that will put you in that kind of danger, there is no telling what else they might do. There is no telling what else they might do. They are lying to you because they think you're stupid. Prove them wrong. Hey, this is Bob Dickerson with In the Black. Thank you for tuning in. Please join host Bob Dickerson for another edition of In the Black next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a terrific week.